the demise of the original bunker had to do wife? with was it the wife? a look. There were certain factions. Oh, there were certain factions within the regiment. There was there was not happy that we were there. There were certain factions within the regiment who really didn't get they, their orders weren't clear, oh. and maybe they didn't like some of the aggressive strategies. Uh, oh. We were moving up artillery at too quick a pace. <laughs> Actually, what happened is you brought a box of wine and glasses for everybody. That's so true. And then we just fucking lost our minds. <laughs> and uh, if you guys, anybody who listens to that, if you guys remember, Carl kind of pulled us out of it. And he did. Uh, he order did, could never be restored. Order, order was never really <laughs> restored. It was just, that's accurate. It wasn't. Um, he was very diplomatic, uh, as he always is, <clears throat> uh, because he said that uh, we won't drink as much the next time. And there were you know, six or seven people in the studio. Uh, we were all drunk except Carl, yeah. so he was not included in it. Um, he did not divulge who uh, actually spilt the wine, and I'm, I'm not going to divulge it either right now. Uh, it, it was me. Um, but, yeah, it led to, it led to, a, uh, it led to uh, an intense scrutiny on our actions in that location. And so we met with, a, uh, we met with the council... And decided to decamp, and you know what? We're dug it. We're dug in a higher position. Well, my, my I, I was going to begin by talking about this book, um, "The Uninhabitable Earth." Oh, You're familiar with that book? I haven't read it, but I listened to a podcast with the where they're interviewing the author. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, David Wa- uh, Wallace Wells. I haven't read the book either, but I follow his work in the New York Magazine. Oh, um, so he like from what I understand, a, a, a pretty large section of the book is stuff that he's been writing mm. uh, for New York Magazine. Um, and and w- what I took from it was that you can explain to people when it comes to the environment like what the numbers are and even if you don't um even if you don't make it about like near-term extinction yeah even if you just say you know within the next 25 years 10 or 15 million people in the middle east and in south asia won't be able to live there it'll just be too hot they you will not be able to go outside uh for fear of heat stroke and other problems and then 50 years maybe 100 million people uh, you know, in South Asia and Southeast Asia will have to be just refugees from water. But people have a, the problem about arguing that way, and we were talking about this before you came, is that people have a very acute and uh, polished sense of being able to normalize suffering yeah. when it's yeah. far away mm-hmm. or when they don't, you know, in the in, in this world, we will... It's far away from us. We don't we don't think about it at the front of our minds. It's we, we just try. Actually, we do our best not to think. All yes. all the all the yeah. all the the structures are in place to make sure that we don't. And the reason we were talking about it earlier is because of your trips to Puerto Rico. So I'm, uh, Maria's here as well. You guys have been doing a lot of work in Puerto Rico. Uh, no, not us guys, just her. Just, just. <laughs> yeah. I meant her, not me. I meant her and her people. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it's like just to be clear. <laughs> um. So, um, uh, Maria, just introduce yourself. Uh, let everybody know uh, where where you're from, what you're working on, and specifically what you've been doing in in uh, the PR. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Well, I'm. I was actually born and raised in Puerto Rico, and then we moved to Delaware when I was 13. So I, I like to say that I'm an activist and an organizer before anything else. That's where my passion is. That's the reason why I could go back and forth between Delaware and Puerto Rico and, and get into the mode of, yeah, let's go and protest and, <laughs> and be there for everyone. Um, and I've been doing the work in Puerto Rico. It got really intense after Hurricane Maria. That's when I decided that it was time for me to spend more time in Puerto Rico and come to Delaware rather than be in Delaware and go to Puerto Rico. So that's sort of where the switch happened. Uh, The work, it's literally everything and anything that you could think of that is affecting humanity in Puerto Rico. And and the why I'm using humanity is because sometimes we we don't think of citizens as humans or we don't think of of other cultures as an actual human. 
that has a body like us that they have to eat that they have to go to work like we do it's like we are completely unattached of other cultures that they're just like us when it comes to the basics so socioeconomical growth education the environment uh, stephanie was actually over there and she was able to spend some time uh, with some groups to see what is happening and the impact that we have hurricane maria was a huge wake-up call and I, I think not just for Puerto Rico, but for all of the islands and the United States. Um, there is something I am grateful for the hurricane, and that's that Puerto Ricans were talked about again. Not, you know, I'm not happy how, but we were in the news again, and we were making it internationally. Sad reasons as to why, and we lost a lot of people, but we are now a topic that people want to talk about. And I am more than happy to to be part of the conversation. I really thank you for having me here, you guys. Yeah, of course. Um, what what uh, issue? What what have you worked on recently? Can you give us a couple of specifics, maybe tied into the the environmental thing? Because we're going to segue into that, and I know that that's sort of a huge a, a huge issue because of just the infrastructure and the remoteness and the, and the climate there climate's going to have a huge impact on puerto rico just like a lot of places but especially there yeah so um i'm proud to say that we started a movement called movimiento victoria ciudadana and that's just movement victory of citizens and this movement is currently trying to become an actual political party we want to be an option for the citizens to be able to vote in leaders that are ready to do politics completely different and one of the ways that we want to change how the, the environment in Puerto Rico is, is right now we don't have enough laws that protect, or let's just talk about our beaches, for example. So um, in Puerto Rico, you actually can go to the beach for free mm -hmm. and just enjoy it. And there's just, it's like a completely freedom, like mm -hmm. how it should be. Uh, if you think about going down to Rehoboth and having to pay for parking and just the, all the struggles for, just to try to enjoy that, that's nature, that's ours to enjoy. Well, the government currently thinks that that's too good, right? And it's not healthy enough for uh, the economy. So they want to privatize that. They want to start selling that and having to to have something as private as that, you are now allowing a corporation to come and say, now I need to build more resorts. We're an island that has plenty of resorts. And with that, I don't care about anything that I'm going to take and I'm going to damage and all the palm trees that I'm going to take along and all the freedom that you have there. And so that's one of the big issues that we have with the movement. Our agenda is to make sure that what is of the people stays mm -hmm. to the people and but the people are actively conscious about how they're taking care of the land are we cleaning our beaches when we actually go and use them are, are we taking care of our animals are only ours uh like el coqui you know, I know in California, they complain about it because now they have a cookie in California. I'm still trying to figure out how an only Puerto Rican. They pop, I know. Yeah, it's like, how did this only Puerto Rican frog went somebody to California? Somebody must brought it back. A somebody brought it back. So somebody illegally somebody uh, smuggled illegally a Puerto Rican frog? A into cookie. The... Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Are they it's like, like a frog. It's a, it's, a... it's a tiny, tiny one. And so, but this, okay, so climate change. This is a frog that could only live in Puerto Rico, not Dominican Republic or anywhere around, just Puerto Rico. But in California, it's everywhere, it's taking over and the people are complaining, they want them gone. Mm -hmm. So an animal that could only live in one specific climate can now live in a completely different one. But that's because of things have changed and people like don't really realize. Yeah, that. Wallace Wells makes a point mm -hmm. in, the, in one of his essays about, you know, you really, how it's going to be an extended uh, sort of suffering when you have, you know, mosquitoes in Canada yes. for most of the year. Yeah. Like people don't know. There's no mechanism to deal with this kind of stuff. Um, and yes. so that's going to be very, very ugly. But the, the other thing I wanted to say, and I think it's so important to frame 
uh, a lot of these questions like this is uh, the commodification of everything. Yes. Like the beach becomes a commodity. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is a commodity. Yeah. Any, and so that ruins anything that should be commons and mm -hmm. commons to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you hear people talk about, as you said, uh, privatizing it or it's it's you have to be extremely suspicious of that because mm -hmm. that's just a way to c concentrate capital yeah and to take away what's rightfully like you said what you said about the beach i would say about everything it's rightfully ours yes yeah and so any any move to try to commodify it should be looked at with disdain yeah really but but we don't we get so comfortable in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't appreciate something as simple as just being able to go down the shore and not have to pay a penny and enjoy what's actually rightfully yours by nature. Mm -hmm. um, but also food. We, we go to the super, so we just go to the supermarket and we buy food, but we don't think about where was this food at before I came to the supermarket. And in Puerto Rico, we actually, um, be, be before uh, we went from being a colony of Spain to becoming the colony of uh, America, and we're still a colony, the oldest standing colony in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, that's another issue. We <laughs> that's talk another about. issue. I mean, people talk about you know how awful it was to have these colonies. Well, we have one right now. Yes. We have more than one. Well, but... uh, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> the one we're the one we're speaking of, yes. and other ones. Yes, yeah. the, the one that everyone can just get on a plane and go and visit yep. anytime they want, and that the people that live there have citizenship, so they don't talk about it. Yep. But yeah, we're a colony, and and this colony, we. It was cared for by people that work the land. Agriculture was a big deal. And when uh, the sugar canes and the domino company that makes sugar decided to start taking these lands and, and they decided to force the land workers out of what we call campos or mountains. And uh, Stephanie, I took her to visit my family so she got to see what the mountains look like. Uh, they were forced into the cities. So now you have people that have to learn new trades, that they have to go from the country living into the city living. And what were they doing with the lands? They were just taking the lands. So people with money, people with higher education just took the lands. We have that problem today. Today, we don't know how much land we could actually use and give to the people. Mm -hmm. So there are several organizations in Puerto Rico that are trying to educate the youth and do more agricultural work, but they have to fight with corporations and like people like Monsanto. Mm -hmm. Are be you saying large agriculture and, and uh, sugar plantations are not for the people? This <laughs> 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 is shocking news. Yeah. No, I mean, it's everything. <laughs> it's a perfect microcosm of everything we talk about. You know, just ex exploitation, mm -hmm. corporate greed, racism, uh, racism the whole, th you know, it, it, it's everything. I mean, there was a great, uh, there was a great video online this week. And I wish I could. Oh, Means TV. And I don't know if you know the comedian Jake Flores, but he got in trouble for uh, tweeting something about the ice. But they did a a spoof on a Vice video mm. where they went into these uh, into this apartment where they were speaking to these Venezuelans who were like backing the coup, and you know they're doing all these cuts and making it cool, and then come to find out that. <clears throat> The two Venezuelans, one was like, yeah, well, that was my dad's sugar farm. And uh, and then the other one was like, well, I wasn't really born on Venezuela. I was born on my my parents' yacht fleeing Venezuela. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, like, right. it's like, okay, <laughs> I see, I see. Because it's just, again, it's just everything's a commodity. Well, the, people are, the people are, actually, the people are pushed aside just to have the commodity. You know? Well, I would like to say <laughs> that... I this think, is this is uh, Stephanie Heron, her her second appearance here. I think that um, I just want to appreciate my friend Maria for coming here and oh, sharing this you. experience. And I was so pleased to have the honor to visit her in Puerto Rico. But I think that the um, the the commodification of nature and the uh, uh, I don't. I can't think of a better word than gentrification, so mm -hmm. I'm going to go with that one, but I feel like there is a better word, but I think that uh, you could just overlay that exact same experience that she's talking about in Puerto Rico and probably any place, but certainly on the city of Wilmington and uh, 
was very angry that you had Josh on your Wilmington episode, and I was like, I had a lot to say about that, but I digress. (laughs) Do you want to go down uh, this digression? Is that what you want to do? Well, well, I just think that it's really important to recognize that problems are are not far away, which is the same with the climate problem. Mm -hmm. That the problems are far away, and they are also at home. I'm glad that you said this. I want to I want to quote a couple things I wrote down because I want you to speak about this. Excuse me, I am speaking. I'm in the middle of talking. you so well so hold on so these I, are my fucking microphones i you know? don't i bought this, these fucking well, microphones ah, this is uh my voice sir oh my God. so <laughs> i just want to say that i just came here from the wilmington riverfront and it was a lovely day to sit out there but I think that I want to make the point that it's very important, and this is very deeply related to the environment and environmental justice specifically, is that when we do things that make improve the physical environment in an immediate area, we always have to think about who we're improving for and that there are a lot of huge, massive problems like climate change and um, pollution and all these things that are impacting it. But there are also problems that are, you cannot divorce problems like climate change, like health impacts of pollution from problems of social injustice, economic injustice and racism, especially racism. Because when we improve the environment in any given community, take the Wilmington Riverfront for example, what are what we're doing far too often is improving the experience of people or that do not are not from that place and i'm not saying that people can't move from one place to another and i think that a lot of people would welcome new neighbors if they weren't displacing them out of their homes and we especially need to be cognizant of that in a city where a lot of people are renters and people who have lived there for their whole lives, people whose families lived in that neighborhood and who are being displaced from their homes just in the same way that people are being displaced by climate change, people are being displaced by improvements to the environment when it comes to adding parks, adding access to community solar, for example, adding you know electric vehicle charging stations like at the new um, the new apart the new condos on ninth like ninth and orange oh they have charging they, stations I, I think there. they have EV charging stations we when we are talking about improving the community and a lot of times these are objectively improving the environment in the big picture if we're not improving it for the people who live there now today yeah then we're not we're doing it wrong no I, I, first of all obviously I can completely agree with that. And um, the numbers I was going to bring up and the sort of the trying to put a, a, you know, more detail to Mm -hmm. it. I think the news journal has been pretty good about pointing out um, some numbers in Southbridge. Mm -hmm. They've done uh, there was a a report that came out in 2017 about just the the increased cancer risks, the -hmm. increased respiratory risks, just just from pollution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just pollution. Then there, you know, it's, it's 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 known as extremely flood prone, probably the worst in the entire city, the whole neighborhood of Southbridge. And we don't do anything because <clears throat> that's, you know, that's how we keep it somewhere else. It just affects that area. So nobody really cares. We just leave those, those people out there. And it's really disgusting to see. But when you look at that compared to like life expectancy, we talked about it last week, life expectancy in Southbridge, because probably because of the cancer rates are so high. And nobody really addresses it. We just, we normalize the suffering Mm -hmm. and don't really, we prioritize other things. And and, and it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's just terrible to think about. No, go ahead. I I think something interesting about Southbridge and it just, it just uh, makes my Puerto Ricans just come out like, I like it. Um, Politics in, in Southbridge, specifically the Wilmington mayoral race, that is the, area that decided um who became our mayor and and just to think that's all it did just decided who became our mayor but did not do anything for that particular community um and when i was canvassing in i live on east side so just going from east side to south bridge and talking to the community and and really understanding the the significant changes that they needed to happen 
part of me was hopeful that since they decided who was going to be the next mayor, maybe I'm being sarcastic in a way, that they will be impacted first in a positive way and that we will start seeing changes. So if you're listening, um, or dear mayor, I'm wondering when you're going to go back to that community that thankfully elected you and really make a change that they need to be able to have better health. Um, and they're not that far away. They're, they're my neighbors. They're not no, that far I, they're away. not that far away from here. It's it's ter- I mean, I can tell you that the answer uh, from Prasicki will be no. It <laughs> doesn't care. Um, I, the, the the only hope for Southbridge to me is the fact that they put the basketball arena there and then maybe that will somehow spur because this is the way these these people think you know Buccini Pollen has to be involved in it to for there to be any focus because there has to be money needs to be made by private people yeah you know to consolidate the the capital now I would argue just on just to find a point and I'm interested to to know sort of what your perspective of it is because my perspective here is that Przicki won the primary because he re-registered one thousand he re- Republicans. He re-registered almost one thousand Republicans in the Highlands to Democrats yeah. to vote in the thing, and then he, he won by two hundred and thirty-four votes. votes. I'll never forget that. We love number. you, Eugene. I saw him today. <laughs> I'll be speaking to Eugene soon. Maybe on mic, maybe not. But we all love Eugene. But yeah, that that obviously was uh, very impactful. But we overcame that when we were so close of winning by two hundred and thirty-four votes, and. You could clearly see by that that there was so much more into that, you know. And I, I think we could go so deep and, and get lost into this conversation just about this yeah. topic. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to blame my Southbridge friends for Mike Przicki. No, I no no, no it's no. not. And I guess that's kind of what. <laughs> yeah, not it's not that, that people. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your friends. Yeah, yes. if it's anybody's friends, it's our our <laughs> friends. Our friends are fucking terrible. Yes, yes. You and your neighbors. No, I'm just I looking. Mean, look. I'm looking at the area per se, uh. you know, and sort of like, and I, like I say, I was being sarcastic. You, yeah, now. yeah. You mean the um, amount no. of voters, kind of like, like yeah, that yeah. was like, I, I, I still yeah, remember yeah. At the end of the night. We're like, oh my god, we got this. That's the only area that we're waiting for votes to come in, and this is this is a clear win. Yeah. Perspective. They didn't, they didn't come out. Yeah, I got smack oh, in the face. But again, like I said, I was just being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, but I it's, know. It's like, it's, no, but it is a rallying. It's a it's a rallying cry to say, hey, you know, we're looking at these issues and mm-hmm. just try to bring everybody in. I mean, I I understand. You know, I w- I don't think anybody's blaming anybody. I Mm-mm. think it's just there's an apathy and an indifference and a you know when people have been uh, forcefully and we we've made this point in here when people have been disenfranchised by on purpose. Yeah, like it's it's very difficult to break through that. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's an apathy. I don't feel comfortable with that. I think that people have solutions for the problems they face in their communities, but no one asks them. No one mm. asks them. I can't tell you how many doors I knocked on when I was canvassing for Eugene where people said, oh, it must be election time. You people only come here every four years. And you know what? Fuck you. Why should I vote? Like, what have you, what has anyone who's ever knocked on my door ever done for me? And and that's something that... And they're not wrong. That's they're something wrong. you see no. everywhere. Um, it's something we're facing in Puerto Rico right now. We're, we need 60,000 endorsements to make this movement into an actual political party. And when we're talking to the people, they are saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You, you're just here because you need money. And... You need a vote. Yeah, it's right. totally natural for someone who's been disenfranchised and ha- has had the boot on their neck but, to yes. be very, very suspicious of somebody knocking yes. on their door with a political message. Well, I, w- I don't think there's any question about that. I would very strongly encourage all of our listeners here to... <laughs> Let's not go too far. <laughs> to read the Environmental Justice for Delaware report, which uh, you can find that the Delaware Concerned Residents put out with the Union of Concerned Scientists, which you can find at ucsusa.org slash Delaware. We'll put this in the show notes, and by we, I mean Carl, we'll put this in the show notes. Uh, and I was strongly, there's an executive summary, and there's also a report. It looks at seven communities in Newcastle County. Southbridge is one of them. Um, and it, very importantly, 
doesn't start in 2017 when the report was released. And it includes a timeline that talks about the history of the fact that, going back to what we were just previously on at the beginning, that people were displaced to Southbridge Mm -hmm. from Wilmington back when certain air, you know, the city was a happening place to be and there were 100,000 people living in Wilmington and there were lots of white people who needed homes. And the government offered, you know, the the folks who were living in ex- deeply segregated areas, oh, like some suburban living out in South, South Wilmington, and put people in substandard housing conditions in the lowest lying part of the city, which routinely floods, which you see, which you actually see. For, if you look at a map of the United States, and I would assume this is a global problem, but in in the U.S. specifically, communities of color are always located in the lowest lying areas of a city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you can look. There's a there's a very good. I just remember this because I was reading about this off the top of my head. Or, might it be about 2014, but there's a really, really good long essay on WHYY, like the PBS thing, about the flood, the, the history of flooding in Southbridge, mm-hmm. um, where it lies. And also, it's it's funny because it's it's from 2013 or 14, talks about, you know, trying to establish this wetlands uh, down uh, where they're establishing the wetlands. But that's, you know, that that's seven, six, seven years ago. They're still talking about it today. Of course, it's still not not right. But yeah, look at it, it, it. What you're saying is is completely accurate, and people don't they they have a difficult time sort of uh, reckoning with this history. Southbridge has more brown. Southbridge is not a large community. No, mm. I think we can all agree. Other neighbor. I mean, Wilmington's um, not this big place, but of of all the Wilmington <laughs> neighbors, it's one of the small. I mean, one Southbridge of the Southbridge has more brownfields than any community in Delaware. They have forty eight and that small community. So environmental justice is when the quota release, the quota release that happened back in November that shut down the Delaware Memorial Bridge for seven hours, yet the people who lived right next door to the facility didn't get a, didn't even, didn't get a call to say like, hey, maybe you should lock, shut your windows and tape up your doors because there's poison in there. Um, when the Crowder lease happened in Wilmington, in, uh, well, in Newcastle, technically, so outside the city limits, but all those people who live on the Route 9 corridor breathing in that air, environmental justice is the air outside is toxic, no one told me, and then I got to go, and if they had told me, I got to go inside to my house where the indoor air is toxic because my house floods all the time and I got mold in my basement. Like, environmental justice is... That the highest majority of people, the highest percent people of color community in probably the whole state lives in the only part of the state that is in the lowest lying area with 48 brownfields. Yeah, one of the things, and, and again, I like to point out to people and just, just point them towards things you can easily go look up. Uh, just... I think about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, there was, and I, and I actually don't know what the res- result is. I think it was a good result, but they were trying to put some sort of steel slag freaking processing plant. Yes. Yeah. So I guess when you process steel, there's like yeah. a there's a you know residue or it's some rocks, kind of the grinding up rocks. Yeah, and then they may, they do something with that, but yeah. it's it's but it's 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 pretty toxic. But again, where do you put it? Oh, put it in Southbridge. I mean, we're still doing it. That's the that's the difficult part to me is, okay, we the, these are all the awful things that we've done. We recognize them. We've measured them. We can see it with our own eyes. And then we try to put a fucking steel residue treatment or, or reprocessing slag grinding, slag grinding yeah. plant in these people's backyards when they already have 40 fucking brownfields in a, in, a, in a tiny little neighborhood. I, this 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 is it cannot we you know we cannot continue in this fashion mm. uh it's just sick but it goes right back to you opening words about people just not being connected to it it's not mm. i'm sure a lot of our listeners are like well yeah i could see like they're listening right now okay but how many actually have seen it or taken the time to go mm-hmm. down there to to actually say okay i, I could i could see what 
my neighbors are living. Mm-hmm. Not too many people want to take the strip to to real. Uh, we we have situations here in Wilmington mm-hmm. that are in movies. You know, when when they do a movie mm-hmm. about something that happened in another state that was mm-hmm. major, mm-hmm. and then a lawsuit happened, and now it's this great story and what a courageous movie about this one person, and and we shouldn't wait. For, for our lives to get like that mm-hmm. in order for us to want to do something about it. We should be proactive and trying to do something ahead of the situation mm-hmm. and finding the people that actually sympathize and, and we say, you know what? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I care enough to want to learn more and perhaps go there and see with my own two eyes because I cannot imagine this because I've never lived it. So I, I could go there, mm-hmm. see it with my two eyes, smell it because you can smell the difference Mm -hmm. feel it on your skin Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. and then perhaps maybe more people will get active uh the people that live in that community they're just they're tired they go on their day-to-day lives they they live paycheck to paycheck uh they live trying to survive it's 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 they need extra support in order Mm. for change to happen well i think it's important I agree with you, Maria, but I think it's important that we not generalize. And I think that it's important that people speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's the most important. Uh, I don't know if you all have heard of the HEMES principles for democratic organizing, but that's how the Delaware Concerned Residents, we, um, we have all agreed that we will function and that we will engage with one another based on those principles. And they're very meaningful and important to me. And my favorite one is... People speak for themselves. And so I don't, I do feel uncomfortable when we're speaking about people when they're not in the room and also when we're speaking about them in generalities. Uh, But I do think that it's a very important point to say, to say that the, the, the thing that people say is, oh, well, why didn't someone do something about that? Right. Or why aren't those people doing something for themselves? Like why they're experiencing this thing? Well, why aren't they doing something about it? And that when people are just struggling to get by, to live day to day, to feed their children, to breathe, to buy their children's asthma medicine, right? When people are struggling to just survive, those people they're not inherently vulnerable we put them in a vulnerable position and they know they have solutions but we are not giving them the opportunity to share those solutions because of the position we've put them in and that is why people who have the privilege of having time to get involved to go to legislative hall to talk to call their legislators to do whatever those people have the privilege and the responsibility to do the best that they can. I'm glad you use that word too, because I think that's exactly how I take it. It's just a, it's a huge it's a responsibility. Like it's not you you should be compelled to do it because the situation doesn't need to be this way. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a natural state of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and if you understand your history. Mm-hmm. And you understand why, you know, these um, these institutions and in, are, are in place, mm-hmm. and why people are where they are, and why the pollution is a certain place, or mm-hmm. why the most vulnerable people are in the most vulnerable places, mm-hmm. why they have the shittiest housing. It's not an accident. Mm-hmm. So the people with the power who did it had the responsibility fix it because as maria said and i love that you use that word because i use it in my writing all the time too there are neighbors mm-hmm. yeah. people are yeah. fucking neighbors yes you know so i then that's one of the tricks of this like trying to make it interesting to just get people to start thinking about things you know in a way maybe that they never have thought about them before mm-hmm. yeah. because it's not you know you can the argument's there to be made the history is there you know all of these things aren't coincidences yeah you know there's, I'm very full of recommendations today, but so that just today on the, all the time <laughs> on this specific point. Well, there are two things um, for people who are interested in learning about institutionalized racism, which includes pollution, but is not, you know, specific to pollution. Um, there is a book that I read that 
it's kind of it's it's heavy uh it's not a beach read but it the it's called the color of law that i would highly recommend everyone read to learn about you know why things maybe are the way they are why certain people live in certain places and certain things happen in certain places um that that's a pretty recent book it's really good uh, there are a lot m much older um, books about that are more specific to the environment. One of them is um, called Dumping in Dixie, mm -hmm. uh, which is specifically about pollution and why certain you know land uses occur in communities of color. But then for people who are interested in just like try trying to learn the beginning, right? Like trying to say like, oh, I want to know, I want to understand. Um, the organization that I work for, the Environmental Justice Health Alliance for Chemical Policy Reform, um, just put out a video on April 22nd, which is called Life at the Fence Line. It is an accompanying video to a more a report that we put out last year, uh, but it's only about four minutes. It's narrated by Rashida Jones, uh, and it's at comingclean.org slash fence lines. And the video is called Life at the Fence Lines. And it, it talks a little bit about, it's a beautifully um, illustrated video by Molly Crabapple and narrated by Rashida Jones, which talks a little bit about the experience of living at the fence lines of America's most toxic facilities, which millions of people in the United States do. And almost all of them are people of color and low-income people. It's another one. It's another one we'll throw in the th show notes for sure. <laughs> um, so hold on. So, what, what's your time look like? Um, Want to take a quick break? Yeah. And so that way you can go because I I, I want to talk about the mm -hmm. um, the plastic bag st mm -hmm. uh, stuff and then like Green New Deal st and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Extinction Rebellion in general. Okay. Is that cool? Take, yeah. Hey, hey everyone. Uh, let's take five. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, this. Oh, the point I wanted to bring up with you was sort of like a sort of put a local sort of flavor mm -hmm. on it because I want to get an update about this issue and then we can yeah. talk about sort of like the broader thing because I just see this explosion of youth activism in Europe. But before we talk about that, mm. the Delaware plastic bag ban. Yeah. Now I I like the idea because again, I, I've come to the conclusion that like we can't hardly get anything done because all of our politicians. Uh, are just inept with the exception of the ones who come here. If you come here, you're not inept. Uh, so that's Kowalko so far. It'll be Tizzy soon. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, so uh, what's what's the language of the bill? What's it trying to do? Who have you lobbied? Who looks like they're in? What's your, are you are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Where, where are we at with the Well, whole, I don't want to say thing? that I've done, I, I don't want to take credit for the work. No, no, because, no, I meant, but, I, you, you've been lobbying, and so. I am no longer a registered lobbyist in Delaware, so. Okay, so she's not, hasn't been lobbying, we've just been discussing. I it. haven't been lobbying. Just as far as you know. Just discussing. I mean, again, uh, this is another uh, caveat, I've said this before. If you guys want to pick apart a conversation, uh, feel free to email uh, highlandsbunker at gmail.com and I'll fucking ignore it. <laughs> uh, but I can, I used to lobby on this bill on many, many, many previous iterations of this bill when I was a registered lobbyist in Delaware for the Sierra Club. Uh, and I, so the current bill is written as a ban on all carry plastic carryout bags the ones with handles from all stores that have to comply with the current plastic bag law in delaware which the current uh, law is that any store over three over seven thousand feet square feet or having three or more locations that are each over three thousand square feet it's a very name i don't know why um that those stores are currently under Delaware law required to have a bin where they accept back plastic bags and plastic film, and then they're required under Delaware state law to recycle that. Oh, that's why Acme and Walgreens, where I take my bags back, have the bin. Exactly. That's state law that any large grocery store or retail store, any store that's over 7,000 square feet, 
is required by law to have one of those bins and it's supposed to have to be in an obvious location. They aren't always. Sometimes they keep it like behind the customer service desk, which technically is illegal, but you know. Um, so those have to have, and you can bring all kinds of bags there, not just plastic carryout bags. You can bring like the bags that bread comes in or like carrots, like um, plastic. If you were to get dry cleaning and that came in that plastic, you could take that back there. Um, so we definitely encourage everyone to do that. But so those, the way that the current law, the current bill is written would ban plastic carryout bags from bags from stores that have to comply with the current law. So those same um, stipulations, which means there are a lot of stores that aren't covered, but it's a really big step in the right direction. And those- Now, do you plan on, will those stores go to paper or will they charge- so they previous iterations of the bill that I used to work on were were a fee on plastic bags, a five cent fee, for example, on plastic and paper. Um, the way that the current bill, which again I was not involved in drafting this bill, um, but the way that the current bill is written would outright ban the handled carryout bags from all those stores. There's no fee; you can't charge a fee. Um, because you just can't have them. Now, it doesn't get rid of, like, those bags that you put produce in. Those are still cool under this bill. And there are a few other stipulations, like if you have chemicals or something, you can have a bag to, like, put your things, your chemicals in, I guess. I don't know. But, um, so it doesn't apply to every store, but it does apply to all those huge stores, which are mainly the ones where people are coming out with like 20 bags. So that's a big step uh, in the right direction. The bill does not put a fee or ban paper bags. It um, it specifically says in there that like stores are allowed to charge a fee if they want, but they don't have to. Um, I, would, I, I would prefer if it were required that they were if they were going to give out single-use paper bags that they would have to charge a fee. But, you know, we don't live in a perfect world, obviously. Um, so the bill has passed the House. It passed the House Natural Resources Committee. Uh, during the committee, I asked for and they agreed to amend the bill slightly. They had some problematic langu language in there, which could potentially allow for, quote-unquote, compostable plastic bags which are a false solution for a number of reasons which sounds I like clean into. coal yeah right but thankfully they did um add an amendment to remove that language unfortunately they also added an amendment to remove the requirement that stores which are complying with the ban also have those take back bins and that's not necessarily a positive because there are Obviously, a lot of other sources of plastic film, including produce bags and all different things. Um, but well, do you think maybe that if they've if they've already have the bin, they'll keep the bin? Well, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, they could still keep the bin. So, I mean, I think overall the bill is definitely a net positive, and I'm happy. I'm very pleased that it passed the house. It's very exciting. So did it pass the house or did it pass out of committee? It passed out of committee and it passed the house. Oh, perfect, great. So with those amendments added, and now it will go to the Senate Natural Resources Committee. I expect that will probably happen in like mid June because they have a few weeks break. The legislature. Cool. So let so me call your senator. Call call your if you support. Call your state Eight, say, House Bill One Thirty. You know, if you don't, if you don't support trying to remove plastic from the environment, just fucking stop listening to this. <laughs> you're, you're fucking beyond help. Um, I, I do have a question mm -hmm. because, and this comes up in a lot of Wallace Wells's work and a lot of other work too. Actually, it came up this morning when I pushed the recycling bin to the curb. <laughs> Personal intervention, to me seems like generally a political act more than a like I don't I, I read a, an article recently within the last couple of days actually about the number of uh, plastic bottles that you know Pepsi or Coke or somebody that uh, they manufacture <clears throat> and the amount of recycling will never keep up with that like mm -hmm. it, it's not even I mean it's not even close recycling <clears throat> isn't honestly all that clean anyway 
Right, and that's that's the other. Yeah. 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 But I guess the the, the broader the, the the broader question is, uh, and there's another example. I guess I don't know if I read or I thought of or whatever, but like, <clears throat> you know, you, we can all decide depending on your you know your dietary habits to eat less meat, mm-hmm. to eat no meat, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And if somebody who eats meat only eats uh, beef twice a month. It's, you know, that's, that's good, but that's yeah. personal intervention. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that's really a blip on the, on the, the mm-hmm. what happens really, we should yes. just be, we should be feeding, well, we shouldn't, maybe shouldn't yeah, be yeah. eating meat at all, but we should be feeding livestock seaweed because the, the most of the, this mm-hmm. is my understanding from reading this stuff. Most of the methane, most of the environmental impact of raising cattle is the is the methane from cows from yeah. cows well the climate impact Cli- so cr- right yeah. oh yes the climate impact is that at least the climate impact yeah. is that and that can be mitigated at a large level by changing what they eat but that doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen so people do the, the you know people make personal intervention and they either go you know meatless once a week or whatever, whatever they do mm-hmm. um which again i'm not saying it's not important just like recycling I think is important it to is. do as a yes. political as a political act, but does it really? What What is your position on oh, yes. this on sort of personal intervention? I guess. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I have had many conversations with people about this. So, um, the very first job that I had after college, I worked for the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, and I was a campaign organizer. And we were sat- trying to stop a proposed coal-fired power plant in Hampton Roads, Virginia, which. It shows how old I am because they used to still propose new coal plants in the United States. But um, so we used to talk about this a lot. I am a vegetarian, like a low-key pescatarian now. I have guilt, but um, I am a vegetarian now. I like have a 1999 Corolla. Like I try not to drive a lot, right? I think that you have to make those personal choices because it would be disingenuous not to. I don't think that you can ask people to make sacrifices that you're not willing to make. However, 100%, the most important, like, if you could drive a Prius or you could call your legislator, like, once a week, it would be, there's no contest. There's no contest between being politically active and advocating for policy change and making personal choices. I am of the mind that you have to do both because you have to do the best you can for any number of reasons, You, but you have to do the best you can. And only one of those reasons is because it would be hypocritical and disingenuous if you didn't. And but, because they're not mutually exclusive, they and don't they're take, not. But they're not. They don't take. Exclusive. I mean, yes, it, it depends on personal have, intervention you're if, taking. But however, you should be taking right. something. But if you had to pick one, and I'm not saying I judge people who eat meat. I don't judge people who drive cars, unless it's like a Hummer. I totally am judging. That yeah, outside. you have to jump. Right, if you see somebody in a Hummer, you have person, to judge that person. But like, that's that's a fact. Right, or like one of those giant pickup trucks where like the back is out more, and you're like, you clearly are not toting anything. You're not hauling anything. Like. If you, you know, have a job or you need to, like, haul ladders and move shit, like, whatever. But I'm not judging people who maybe aren't making, like, the most dramatic personal actions. But if you could pick one, if you had to, again, like, not eat not eat meat or drive a Prius or whatever, recycle. Like, you should do those things. You should especially recycle because it's so fucking easy. Like, there's literally no excuse not to. But... <laughs> But if you if you were to put them up against each other, there's no contest that advocating for policy change is so much more impactful in the in the grand scheme. Yeah, of because things. the fact and of the matter is, that, right. yeah, the fact right. of the matter is that's that's that structural change. Yes. is really the only of thing that's going to get us out of this in, in in any in any fashion. Now, yes. Of course. You have to do both, though. You can't... It's just like I will never give someone a pass for saying, like, well, what the fuck? They both suck. Hillary and Trump, they both suck. Like, I voted for Jill Stein, but it's only because I live in Delaware. And don't judge me. But, like, if I, I lived in Delaware. a swing state, I would have voted for Hillary. So... But see, here's my problem with that. <laughs> We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to have to digress. I can... <laughs> But... You, I'm not saying. I don't want to. Do, I'm you know not what? saying We're that not. I give We're you not. an excuse 
if you're like, well, why should I bother? Because we're all fucked anyway. I am not excusing that. That is not acceptable. I am saying you got to do both. And you especially have to focus on this structural change. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I guess I, I guess my the point of my asking the question was ex- sort of exactly what you said. Like, the, the personal intervention is like the bare minimum. It just means like you're aware. You're yeah. showing like, that you're like you recycle. Like, yeah, you're like you're like you're like, hey, I'm aware that this is a thing, and we gotta we kind of have to do better. Yeah, and so that's like if you don't recycle in 2019. It's not because you don't know that you should recycle. It's just because you're an asshole. Yeah, it's just like, but again, I think it goes. Here's it's the thing. In somebody, somebody earlier in this yeah. podcast said we shouldn't speak. To, we shouldn't speak for other people, so we don't know what they would well, say if they didn't. Recycle. I'm not speaking for people who don't you're recycle. You're just calling them an asshole. I'm just calling them an asshole. Oh, I can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you're gonna do that, I can totally. Yeah, agree with I, that. because in Delaware we have like you have you're required by law to have a recycling bin. Yeah, it's so so it is it's so, not. It's I mean, so you're not paying more to have one to have access to a recycling bin or something. That would be a different story. You have the bin. If you're choosing not to use it, you're an asshole. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on, I'm on board with that. I just became aware of Extinction Rebellion yeah. in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, these these folks are they they have it like they're on it. Um, I I think it's most. It seems to me it's what I means based in the UK. But it seems like it's sweeping most of Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been following the. Um, I called her girl because I think she's only sixteen or seventeen, right? Greta. Greta. Yes. Yeah, Gre- Greta Thunberg. Um, Thunberg. Thunberg. I'm sorry, I'm not sweet. I'm, I know it's very confusing. Carl and I have this argument all the time. I'm, I'm sorry. I, my 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 Scandinavian uh, well, pronunciation mine's not is good terrible. Either. I she's know uh, that one. So if you're not that familiar, if you're not familiar, uh, it's a it's a. a, a girl from sweden um she sort of just became one of the world's leading activists on climate yeah. that there is She's right now she, she yeah um so i i look at you but uh extinction rebellion just a few weeks ago pulled out some huge uh sort of demonstration across mm-hmm. the uk mm-hmm. where they shut down bridges they shut down roads they poured paint on corporate uh you know go, 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 yeah they it's they tied themselves to buses it. they glued themselves it was huge and it seems to be catching on and uh i wonder i don't know if you have any thoughts about it thoughts about trying to foment something like that here in the states but i'm sure you have some some uh some information about it that i don't know because again i, I just become i, I just become familiar I with any, them i don't know that i have any information about that that you don't know i mean i just know the same stuff as you probably um on that specifically i i'm obviously pro putting your body in the way yeah (laughs) um i i think that at some point that when that's when you feel like you're at the point that that's all you have to do that that's the that's what you feel compelled to do then i think you should do that and i think but again, I think it needs to. We need to reflect back to the fact that that is a position of privilege that you have to be in to be in that place. Um, like as I think you know, I got arrested for the first time this past year in 2018 at the Kavanaugh protest in D.C. Oh, that's right, you did get arrested. And, we were there together, but I didn't get arrested that day. And you and I recognize. And acknowledge and bringing it back to the point from earlier that I am in, I am a person of privilege in a position of privilege and I felt like I needed to do that because of a number, I mean, any number of things that I thought the Supreme Court is important to me because of any number of reasons um, that decisions that they'll make. And I think that so I think that actions like Extinction Rebellion, like putting your body in the way, like gluing yourself to something or tying yourself to something or fucking shutting down a street, like I'm very pro that. But I think that it's really important to say out loud and recognize and call out that that is, that some people have the privilege to do some things like that and some people don't. 
And frankly, the people who have the privilege to do things like that generally are not the people who will be impacted first and worst. And shout out to those people for being so fucking cool that they recognize the privilege and responsibility that they have. Like fucking that's awesome. Like high five to those people. I just also want to just I think it's important to lay that out. No, I think you're exactly right. I've I've said it about myself. Um, you know, I I it's one of the um, <clears throat> it's one of the criticisms that you get with like either activists, uh, whether they're environmental or economic, or you know, just people who support Bernie for any number of reasons. Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw I mean Bernard. We got to get Bernard in, or we're we're doomed. <laughs> But it's like, well, all of those people that you see are all of they like privileged people. They're mostly white. They're mostly because they've understood that they have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. The other, we're mm -hmm. there's our comrades are there. Mm -hmm. We know who our comrades mm -hmm. are, and we know what they can do, and we know what they are doing. And so people see maybe a, a white tinge or an affluent tinge mm -hmm. to this movement or mm -hmm. that movement, and what they don't realize yeah. is those people are doing that. Because they've realized they have the time and the wherewithal to, tr to try to help. But there, our comrades are everywhere. They're every color. They come from everywhere. Mm -hmm. They dress all kinds of different ways. They are, they're, uh, every gender. the gender fluid. It doesn't matter because mm -hmm. they're our neighbors. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I just I, I I like the way that you put that, and Susan and I actually talked about it a little bit because there's going to be people coming in here challenging me even more on this on this thing. Oh, but uh, on what on climate? No, on on uh, here. I'll read it. This will be maybe we'll oh, play this yeah. before she comes in. So okay. anyway, when 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 Becca comes in here. Oh <clears> yeah yeah. Uh, I, I want to speak. She's so uh, here's a here's a big thing for she's people. Becca Cotter's going to be coming in here and doing yes! talking about talking about the Becca! work she's. Talking about the work she's doing for the OYWCA because she just moved over there, and I'm I'm fascinated yes. by what she's doing, and she's, the bomb. she's doing she's doing dope today. she's doing dope work. I saw her today she's at the, the fucking best. I saw her at a demonstration today yeah. too. She shared her pizzas. So she got back to me, and we're trying to schedule some time. This is before we booked it. Uh, she said, "I'm really sorry. This week is booked through Thursday." And her son is graduating, by the way. He's going to yeah. yeah, he's going to be a yeah, doctor. He's, yeah, he's graduating from med school. Yeah, he's going to be a medical doctor. Uh, which I congratulate. I thought that's great. And then she mentioned what the student loans were. <laughs> that's a whole other. That's going to be another topic we're going to cover. But the last sentence is is great. She said, "And I'd love to talk to you about my work, as long as you're cool with the topic of white privilege." LOL. So she's going to come in here and give us a bunch of give me a bunch of shit about it too. But she's right. I mean, it all, it, and people look at it like white and they don't want to like internalize it, but it really is. It's, um, you have to understand where you fell mm -hmm. and how you fell there. Mm -hmm. Just like we were talking about how people, mm -hmm. how people are in Southbridge mm -hmm. or why people are here, like how you got there. Um, and you kind of have to look at it like we're all in this together because yeah. we all, we all have to succeed or fail together. It doesn't yeah. work otherwise. That's right. And if you've been to places where it's breaking down or they never built it up. Yeah. You can see that it That's doesn't right. work, you know, if you've been any, you know, anywhere in a developing world, really, mm -hmm. uh, or anywhere that's trying to develop. <clears throat> mm -hmm. If you don't see these people as your neighbors and, mm -hmm. and understand that we these eat, people being all every, people, everyone. all being all everyone. the people, everyone you see, humans, you, correct. <laughs> yes, if if everybody you see, yeah. you don't realize we all do it or we all fail, mm -hmm. we're we're probably gonna fail. Yeah. It's not gonna, it doesn't work otherwise. Yeah, it's really hard. I struggle with this. I'm I'm sure Becca does and everyone does. I don't know. Maybe not. But yeah, I mean, shit's fucked up, and it's not. I that's gonna I, be the title of this episode. I shit's fucked say up. I want to say it's not my fault, but in some ways, it's my fault, and it's everyone's fault. And it climate change is the ultimate example of a problem where we're all impacted, but we're all complicit. But our participation, uh, our part of the problem is not the same. And how much we're impacted is not the same. So it's hard. It's hard when you talk about things like climate because not only is it not an easy fix, but 
you did it. We all did it. We're all doing it every day. And you have to be able to put that out of your mind and it's hard. You have to be able to say, I am doing the best I can, but you have to actually be doing the best you can. And most people would rather just not think about it. And the people who have the privilege just to not think about it, some do and some just don't think about it. And then some people don't have the privilege even to think about it. They think about it. They fucking people who live in low-lying areas, who live in areas where their fucking kids can't breathe the air, they think about it. They know what the problem is. They're not stupid. They're not inherently vulnerable. They fucking know what the problem is. They don't have the privilege to address the situation necessarily because they're busy. But climate and and the environment generally, but climate specifically is the ultimate example of the fact that we're all complicit and it's hard when it's about you. It's easy to be like, it's easy to be like, oh, God, fucking Mike Przicki just like gentrifying the shit out of the riverfront and now he's all downtown and he's doing all this fucked up shit. He's the worst mayor, but... You just yeah. want to rip on Przicki because you, like, you're, 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 I'm, I'm going to tell a little like, secret now. I'm just saying. I'm going to tell a little secret. Uh, you admitted to me that you were very upset that Josh and Kobe got to rip on I was mad. I was really to... mad. I, wa- I was like, Josh doesn't even fucking live in the city. Well, I was mad about that. He brought that up and he was like, I, I think was some... really mad about that. I was like, I have so many thoughts about this. That's so good. And <laughs> Well, I will tell you, I, I, we were the other thing, the other thing we were talking about this when we were chatting about it earlier is we may, we may uh, do, if it, if it works out, try to do at least once a month of a show that just dragging Przicki through the dirt and John Carney. Well, that I mean the whole I thing. Know, the whole That's thing. the the, the whole, illustrious career. The, the, of John the, 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 the threat. She's a fan. Hey, I'm consider a fan. consider a, fan. a patronage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know how much money I know. I've had this, I've had this conversation with many people. That's why I don't push it too much because it's not right. Um, but yeah, shitting on shitting on Carney shitting on Carney is a common thread through this whole. <laughs> we gotta add him in. That guy's the worst. We gotta add him in. Um, They're the same. But anyway, uh, wait. No, I was in the middle of my point. You interrupted uh, it. You always say I interrupt everything. No, no. So I, my point was, it's easier to say, "Oh, well, fucking Mike Brzezicki, he sucks," but it's hard to say, "Oh, I fucking suck too." Like, <laughs> so I, I'm, you know, I'm also complicit. I'm doing things every day that are impacting the environment, and that's a hard thing to think about. And it's heavy. People don't want to think about it. It's just like how people don't want to think about racism. People are racist, but they say they don't think they're racist people or they're not racist, but they don't want to think about racism. And if you don't want to think about racism, you're inherently slightly racist. Well, I, I But mi- it's racism. It's climate change. It's hard. You don't want to think about it being you. You don't want to think about yourself being the problem. But you know what? All of us are the problem. I'm the fucking problem. We're all the problem sometimes. But all we can do is do the best that we can. And... Advocate for those structural changes. Yeah, for real, and it's, and I, I would I would I would uh, echo that. Um, I just wrote a uh, an op-ed for the newspaper shitting on Joe Biden. He's awful. And one of the th- one of I think the thing I was trying to convey uh, was that we're complete. The 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 reason that we're in this situation that we're in is because people don't want to reckon with their role in what they've yes. done i i made a con I, I made a line in the in the in the piece basically saying you know this is what biden did about segregation and, and busing and i said i you know I, I i i bet you a lot of the folks that wanted him to do that are reading this today you know i bet you a lot of folks who wanted him to to, to, to push the crime bill or Certainly, the people who wanted him to deregulate the banks are, 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 are today. I worked with them. So, yeah, the people, they, they have a lot to reckon with. And they feel like reckoning with it is sort of weak or no, or feel scary. Like no, they feel like you're attacking them personally, and or, they yeah, are defensive about it. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, for whatever. For, yeah, they, They're they, defensive about it because they know that it's them. I mean, it's everybody, like you said, but certainly people who are close enough exactly. to it understand it, and they they just refuse, refuse to reckon with it. And um, I hope to have a few uh, episodes coming up that are going to deal with that, mostly centered around 
uh, boomer trash. But that's that's a story for another day. Uh, Stephanie, thanks for coming in. Yes, thanks for having um, me. I, I'm I'm glad that, I'm glad you were you were here in a, in better order. Is the the show is finishing yeah. and order is because I didn't bring a box of wine. <laughs> Yeah, Susan ripped it out, but we kept it to a, a, yeah. a, a minimum. And, and Kristen, Kristen didn't bring the, was that like a banana bread? Oh, yeah. I mean, I smoked a bunch of weed, but, you know, whatever. All right, He's everybody. Like, like, yeah, it's poor Carl. All right, everybody. Thanks. Uh, you know, consider patronage. Left is best. <laughs> <laughs>